Today on the Almond Journey podcast. I'm a collaborator. I like to ask a lot of questions and I pride myself in being a good listener, especially when I'm representative of a collective body. You have to really understand what everyone's needs are. We get to know Clarice Turner, the new president and CEO of the Almond Board of California. Hey there, and welcome back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On the show, we discover how growers and handlers and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley, virtually in most cases, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance this almond industry. Last month at the Almond Conference 2023, I got the chance to spend a few minutes with Clarice Turner, President and CEO of the Almond Board of California. In this time, I got to know Clarice a little bit better and asked her about her ideas for leading this industry in 2024 and beyond. I'm happy to share that recording with you for today's episode. Clarice has been with the Almond Board for months now and has really jumped into the industry with both feet. We'll talk about her listening tour that she did with multiple stops throughout the state to get to know growers and better understand their needs. We also talk a lot about her previous experiences from farming to working with companies like Pepsi and Starbucks. Finally, you'll hear some of her ideas and areas of focus that she's excited about now that she's officially taken over the reins from Richard Wacott. Here's my interview with Almond Board of California President and CEO Clarice Turner. Good morning. I'm Clarice Turner, President and CEO of the Almond Board of California, supporting growers to drive global demand and conduct health and nutrition research, as well as production. Absolutely. Great. Well, and I know uh, you've already had the chance to meet a lot of the industry in just a few short months, but for those um, who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, maybe just uh, talk a little bit about what you were doing before you came to the Almond Board. Oh my, I've had, uh, I've had quite a career in a lot of different industries. Um, most recently was president of Joseph Phelps Vineyards in Napa, and we farmed a little over 700 acres of vineyard, uh, which was an adventure from season to season. I also have a small artichoke and heirloom tomato farm in Napa County. We sell to local chefs, which is also an adventure every year, depending on what Mother Nature gives us. Uh, and prior to that, career with PepsiCo for 16 years, Starbucks, um, Boudin Bakeries in San Francisco, and uh, grew up in the state. Great. It sounds like, yeah, very close connection to, to farming as well, which is really neat. What, I guess, attracted you to this position with the Almond Board? What was it that got you excited? Oh my goodness, uh, it's the opportunity to make a difference on behalf of family farmers and farmers in general and the state, which I know it's getting harder and harder uh, to be profitable. And so that's, you know, as I read the trades and my own personal experience in the wine industry has worried me for quite some time. So the opportunity to jump in and try to understand the landscape and help everyone navigate it and make uh, the future, right, some security for future generations of farmers. Absolutely. In, in three short months, you, you've had quite a whirlwind experience, it looks like, just looking at your, your schedule. Um, what stands out to you after a few months in the role as uh, important priorities here uh, as you get started? 
absolutely fabulous time uh, spending. We did four days and uh, eight towns, so two a day from the south end of the valley all the way to the very north end of the valley and spent time asking questions and listening and really getting to understand what's on the minds of farmers up and down the state. And so what stands out to me is that it's a difficult time and right everything that we can do to work together to try to focus on the things that we can control or influence to make things better is super important. And for us, that's driving global demand, frankly. And also, of course, we can't take our eye off research, um, but driving global demand is job number one. Yeah. And, and you have a lot of experience, you know, in that area to that end. Um, do you have certain ideas that uh, you're looking forward to implementing? So many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> that's the exciting part. And again, that's one of the things that uh, really got me interested in the role is that I feel like there's just so much more that can be done. There's been a ton that has been done, right? And given the situation that we're in now, especially a lot of other categories have caught up right, particularly in tree nuts, but um, also in plant-based. So we had competition now that we've not had in the past because we were an industry leader, which is fabulous and people follow, which is great because it expands the overall category, but there's so much to be done in innovation in terms of creating new products, new byproducts. Um, we're already zero waste, which, you know, that's a whole nother story that needs to be told very loudly and, and has not, frankly, because we haven't had the data to do it. And now we do. And which which of your experiences, if you had to pick just one, uh, do you think will be most relevant in kind of uh, executing on those ideas as we head into 2024 here? I think it's probably my position uh, running global food for Starbucks, uh, just understanding the supply chain implications of things and how um, enormous that whole world is across the world and really understanding, you know, formulation from a consumer packaged goods perspective from a food service perspective. I also am a trustee of the Culinary Institute of America. Um, I know how chefs formulate. You know, I've seen how they think. I wouldn't claim to know how they think, but there's just so much that goes into this whole world and things are coming at people constantly. So you have to stay in front of it and you have to own your narrative in terms of why is your ingredient, right? Really a great one to be formulating with, whether it's going to be center of plate or it's going to be a nutritional bar, right? You got to tell that story because we've, we're graduating thousands of chefs every six months around the world, and they're only getting taught a smidgen of what we could be teaching them in terms of nutritional value and density, shelf-stable nature of almonds that we have a low rancidity um, factor. And I actually learned that when we were helping. I was helping a team ideate to formulate bistro boxes for Starbucks, which they sell millions of them every week, uh, right? And almonds have a great propensity to not absorb moisture. And so those bistro boxes have to be refrigerated. So we literally had to find something that was high protein, low fat, that could work in this box. And you can't imagine the amount of work that goes into trying to figure that out. But once we landed on almonds, we we're like, okay, we've got it. Now our nutritionals are all going to be exactly where we want them to be. That goes on all over the world all the time. And being at that table with our story is super important. Yeah, and, and to have you there who has been on the other side of that table is, is gonna be a, a huge asset, I would think, for the industry. 
Yes. Because one of the other things is difficult is that you've got to find um, the depth and breadth of supply chain and the consistency of supply chain, right? So the fact that we have a two-year shelf life is a beautiful thing for people who are formulating because you're not crop dependent from year to year. I know I can get that input for whatever it is that I'm creating, and especially in the CPG space. Right. Yeah, and we just had uh, Alicia Rockwell from Blue Diamond here in our studio here at the Almond Conference, and uh, she was talking about you know the importance of stewardship in the entire industry, kind of being on the the same page in order to to not just tell but show the story of of stewardship when it comes to almonds. I would imagine in those conversations that has to be an important component as well. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> I can barely keep a lid on it because we don't have to do anything differently than what we're doing today. We've already done most of the hard work. You know, I just sat through a session on grants, both federal and state, and there's a lot more money coming, which is super helpful, especially given the environment right now. But I mean, today we're zero waste, right? We're positive carbon footprint for the environment. The state is very concerned about um, the environment and climate change. And, you know, we're, we're a hero. We, we should be in front of that, right? All the tree nuts, really, but almonds in particular, because we've been very focused on it. And our farmers are very interested in stewardship because they're preserving their land for generations to come. No one cares more than they do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have, I've already heard glowing reviews of that session that just happened this morning because not only were the programs outlined of where the money's available for the grants and, and you know financial support for these uh, stewardship practices, but also individuals were there to be contacted and to be followed up with and, and here in person at the at the booze out here. So I think that's a, a fantastic part of this year's Salmon Conference. Um, I did have a chance, you know, recently to interview Richard uh, Wacott, and, and one of the questions I asked him was about, you know, his kind of parting advice and thoughts. But I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, what questions you've asked Richard, what uh, maybe advice he's passed along that's been most helpful to you so far. It's been a gift to have several months to transition uh, with Richard because there's just so much that he knows intuitively from being in the role for 21 years, right? That. He grew up in it and he built it as he grew in the role. So um, a lot of the questions have to do with um, interaction with the government, both federal and state, right? And and how does all that work and the communications, the federal marketing order itself, what we're allowed to do or not do and you know how we sort of navigate that system on behalf of our growers. Because it's not my background, even though I've you know had to comply with plenty of rules in my career, but uh, not have um, them coming directly as, you know, a body that is governing us. Right. Well, the other thing that you're assuming is is a very talented team, um, you know, at the Almond Board. What stands out to you in your experience and interactions with the staff so far? Oh, my goodness. They are subject matter experts extraordinaire with networks that are amazing uh, and just, you know, experience that's very broad as well as deep. So if one person can answer the question, they know who else can answer it within the organization, which is terrific. And they work seamlessly together and together with our growers, uh, which is fantastic to see. So breadth and depth, subject matter expertise, um, really, really strong team. And, uh, you know, as you think about your, your leadership style, I'm sure you had to talk about this throughout the selection process with the board, but, but your leadership style, uh, what, what can you tell the industry about what they can expect from, from your leadership style? I'm a collaborator. I like to ask a lot of questions and I pride myself in being a good listener, especially when I'm representative of a collective body, right? You have to really understand um, what everyone's needs are. So I like to spend time in the field. I like to, you know, 
go walk in the orchards and get in the truck and drive around and hear their stories, um, learn from the history of what they know, and bring that back and have robust discussions about, okay, so how does this fit with where we are right now? You know, we're in a significant situation with so many macro factors that are not going in the right direction um, for all of ag, really. But what do we do? What can we control? What can we influence? And how do we reflect what are the needs of the overall industry in incorporating that? And sometimes those can be difficult decisions because it means you need to think differently, perhaps about things that you've done in a certain way for a number of years. In my remarks yesterday, I talked about the industry back to the 1850s. When they first started out, almonds were 18 cents a pound. By 1933, after all of the wars, the depression, all the other things, they were eight cents a pound. And people were upside down. I mean, it just, can you imagine, I'm mean, trying to market anything in the middle of a world war was awful. But then it started to bounce back. And the reason that it did, as I studied it, it's innovation. And it's people coming together, working together and figuring out new ways. And, you know, ultimately, that's where the federal marketing order came from, is they got together and petitioned the U.S. government and said, we need this. And then in 1949, President Truman signed the bill that said, and actually, you can use federal marketing funds for this federal marketing order, which step changed everything, right? Not that they didn't have ups and downs throughout the decades, but it made a substantial difference in the foundational platform of what almonds became. Yeah. I love that study of history. That's such great context, uh, especially, you know, pointing to innovation and pointing to collaboration, which got us to where we are today. You know, as you gave your remarks yesterday, what, what take-home message do you hope people that were listening kind of took from that? Grit and innovation have been the hallmark of this industry since its very beginnings in the 1850s. And where do you see opportunities going forward, either, either in the coming year or the coming decade, uh, for almonds to, to apply further innovation? Um, in food service, in consumer products, it just is immeasurable. I mean, wh who ever thought that we were going to have almond milk, right? I mean, <laughs> now look at all the people that are in that category. You've got oats, you've got coconut, you've got all these other things. It's hard for us to envision innovation because it doesn't exist yet, right? But what you do is go out and ideate and brainstorm with a lot of bright, smart people who are creative, and you come up with things. It won't be us, but we'll facilitate it potentially, and so will a lot of the people in the industry. So I can't tell you what it's going to look like yet today, but I know we've got a lot of forms of almonds that could be used in a lot more categories than they are, right? We've got flour, we've got powder, uh, we have milk, we have oil. I mean, it just goes on and on. There's a lot of other plant categories that are competing for those spaces, of course, but when you dig into the environmental footprint and story, the nutritional density and the shelf stableness of almonds, I think we have a competitive advantage. We just have to take advantage of it. Definitely. Well, I, I want to commend you because, you know, on your leadership style of listening first and collaboration, we've already seen that and going out and, you know, visiting face to face with, with growers. I think that's a great way to start your tenure and obviously wish you the best going forward. Any comments you'd like to leave us with before we wrap up this uh, podcast interview? This too shall pass. <laughs> it may take some time. Um, but just know that we are there in partnership and ideas and, and particularly solutions are all welcome. Um, we're all ears and love to collaborate with the industry. So we feel what's going on and are doing our best to work hard each and every day to influence the things we can control or influence. 
Well, thank you very much to Clarice Turner for taking some time for that conversation during what I know was a busy week at the Almond Conference. Certainly a lot of you listening met and interacted with Clarice there or on that listening tour that we mentioned earlier. If you weren't at TAC, though, and would like to hear more from Clarice, the recording of her State of the Industry presentation is available online, as well as recordings from most of the general and breakout sessions from TAC 2023. And I'll be sure to leave a link for that in the show notes for today's episode. We here at the Almond Journey Podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing voices of industry leaders, people like Clarice Turner, may spark a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by following or subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together. Mm-hmm.